Good morning. Last week we looked at, um, as we're going through the book of 1 Peter, and, and, and we looked at um, how to thrive in these crazy, insane times that we're living in. Uh, when it seems like everything has been turned upside down, inside out, sideways, in every which way but loose. Um, anyway, uh, we talked about four things. They're, they're simple things, but if we do these four things, uh, that'll give us the ability to not only survive and make it through times like this, but to do so while thriving. Uh, we will begin to thrive as we go through these times. If we, pension, if we pay attention to these four things, and they're, they're very simple. The first was stick together. And we talked about, talked about u- uh, unity in the body and what a value that is of Christ. Second was get along. The third was to speak truth. And the fourth was simply to do right. And it all seems simple enough, but as many of you have found out by now, life isn't always that simple, is it? It's not that doing those things don't work. They do. Um, these four things will help you, as we said, not only make it through these times, but will help you do so while thriving in the midst of them. It's just that doing the things that we know we're to do when we do them, it's no guarantee that life is going to go smoothly for us. In fact, doing the right thing often results in the opposite of what we want to happen. It brings greater opposition sometimes, and not only opposition, but often it brings suffering into our lives just by doing the right thing. Uh, And that's what I want to talk about today. When doing the right thing, when doing what's right, results in suffering in our lives. So we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. So I want to talk this morning about when you suffer for doing the right thing, when you suffer for doing good, for doing right. Um, when that happens, we need to remember that suffering doesn't have to be in vain. That's key to remember, verse 14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid of their threats. God will reward you for doing the right thing when you suffer, uh, and, and even if you suffer for it. And, and you know, let's, let's, let's face it, nobody likes to suffer. I mean, would you agree with that? None of us like to suffer. I mean, sometimes we might choose to suffer in certain ways if there's a purpose behind it. You know, for example, I might choose to run five miles a day to condition myself for running a marathon. 
And believe me, that would be suffering for me. Um, but, you know, if I, if I do that, there's, there's something behind it. There's a reward behind it that I'm looking forward to. But nobody enjoys suffering, especially if it's suffering for something because we've chosen to do what's right. But here's the good news. When you do what's right, when you do good and you suffer for it, your suffering is not in vain. It's not for nothing. God sees it, and he will reward you for it. You may not see the reward right away. In fact, doing the right thing might even result in more suffering coming your way. But you can be sure that the Lord sees the good you've done, and he will not forget it. He will reward you for it. It's not in vain. Knowing that suffering is not in vain, but that it will ultimately result in good, that sustains us when we know that. That sustains us through the suffering. You know, seven, several years ago, Rita Springer came out with a song called Worth It All. And it talks about how we don't understand God's ways and that, but she, she worships through it. And then the chorus of that song is, it's going to be worth it. Going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. I believe this. It's going to be worth it. Going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. Anything that we suffer for the Lord is going to be worth it. And, you know, we need to remember that. We may not understand why the Lord allows certain things to happen or why things don't work out a certain way, but we can always trust him in the process. Remember, the present situation in which we find ourselves is not the end. God has a plan for our lives. Now, Following his plan does not prevent the enemy from causing us to suffer. I mean, we see it all through the Bible. We see it with Jeremiah, and we see it with the apostles, where God's people suffer even when they did the right thing, or maybe because they did the right thing. But no amount of suffering what the enemy throws at us can take away or detract even the slightest bit from the rewards God has for us. Suffering for doing the right thing is always worth it in the end. God will make it right. So keep your eye on the goal. Keep pressing forward. Keep your eye on Jesus, not on your suffering. Do what's right and stay focused on Jesus. Do that and you'll find that whatever you're going through, you know, if you respond to it as the Holy Spirit would have you respond, it will be worth it. It will not be in vain. The key lies in how you respond when doing what's right causes you to suffer. And when that happens, we need to realize that suffering is an opportunity for you to give God glory. When you suffer for doing right, it's an opportunity for you to give God glory. Your suffering in itself doesn't bring glory. It's how you suffer. It's not that you suffer that brings God glory, but rather how you suffer. Peter tells us how we bring God glory through our suffering in verses 15 and 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. 
we see here three ways that God is glorified in our suffering. The first way is through our worship. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. Worship in the midst of suffering. When we lift our voices and our hands in worship in the midst of suffering, just like the apostles when they were imprisoned and, and, and that, and they were, were singing worship to God, it glorifies God. And, and, but, but this isn't just talking about singing songs. It's more than that. The, to worship Christ as Lord of your life means to, to follow his example and live life as he lived it with the same values, with the same principles, responding to things as the same way that he did, with the same obedience to the Father. That's part of worshiping God in the midst of suffering, worshiping with our life. God receives glory when Jesus is reflected in our lives. We do that by surrendering our lives day by day, moment by moment to Jesus. When we do that, God is glorified because we're showing that moment by moment, our lives are surrendered to Jesus. Andrew Murray said in The True Vine, he said, Abiding in the vine then comes to nothing more or less than the restful surrender of the soul to let Christ have all and work all. Letting Christ have all and work all. In other words, Christ has the final say in every area of my life. I've surrendered my life completely over to him. When I can say that, that's worship. When I live like that, that's worship. And God is glorified through that. Second, God is glorified through your witness. And this is, this is important. God is glorified through your witness. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. The church was left here on earth for a specific purpose. There is a reason that we don't give our lives to Christ and immediately we're taken out of the picture. Um, we're here for a purpose. We've been given a mission, and that mission is to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God. The, to proclaim the arrival of the kingdom of God as Jesus did and to bring others into the kingdom. This has to do both with how we live as well as what we say. Let's look at this for a minute. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, let's pause there a minute. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, think about this. What would cause someone to ask about your hope as a believer? How would they even know that you have a hope or that you're a believer unless it's because they see it in the way you live your life? You see, there's something different about believers. As a believer, there is something different about you. And when people see Christ in your day-to-day -day life, and they see a stability in you, especially during times when, like this when everything is shaken and everything is, is, is put into turmoil. When people see you with uh, staying stable and, uh, and st that stability in your life during that time, they start to ask questions. You know, they begin to ask questions. Then we, when they do that, we need to be ready with answers. 
we don't have to have all the answers, but we need to at least have to know enough to point them to Jesus. So we need to study what we believe so we know why we believe it. Then we'll be ready to answer the questions when people ask. Then we'll be in a position to give an answer for the hope that is within us. But we need to study so that we can show ourselves approved. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things out there that have really no biblical basis at all. And we need to be able to discern the difference. We need to have the maturity to be able to tell the difference. Biblical illiteracy is rampant in the church today. Believers need to know what's in the Bible. Times such as the one we're in reveal the need to be solidly grounded in the truth of the word. That's why every year I put out a challenge to get in the word on a regular basis. If you've never, if you're a believer and, and you've been a believer for a while, you've never read through the entire Bible, to read through the Bible cover to cover and, and, and you won't understand all of it. And I don't understand all of it, but every time I do, I'm more familiar with it. And I get more familiar with the story that, that runs throughout from Genesis through Revelation. If you're a brand new believer, then I would say read through the New Testament uh, from, from Matthew all the way through to Revelation. Read through the New Testament. Be, get, get, get familiar with it uh, so that you begin to know the word, begin to hide it in your heart. You know, then we'll be ready to obey what Peter says when he says, and if someone asks you about the ho your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We'll be ready for that. We'll be able to explain it. We may not answer all their questions. That's not what's important. But you can say, I have hope because of this. This is what Jesus has done in my life. That's where it starts. You may not know any scriptures, but you can say, you know, I may not know a whole lot of this yet, but I do know this. I was once like this, and now I'm like that. Uh, that I, 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 there, this is what he's done in my life. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody. And we need to communicate it in a way that people will be able to receive it, to do so in a winsome way. As Peter says, do this in a gentle and respectful manner, gentle and respectful way, not arguing, not being argumentative, not attacking, not condescending, but gentle and respectful way. That means being respectful of where they are in their journey. They may be totally unbelievers. Give them the respect as, as someone that's created in the image of God deserves. You may not agree with one single thing that they believe, but when you speak to them, do so gently and respectfully. Don't argue and yell and shout and and, and, and anything like that, then God will receive glory when we share the truth, when we share it and we share it in the right way. So when we suffer for doing the right thing, God is glorified through our worship. He's glorified through our witness. And third, he's glorified through our walk. Peter goes on to say, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners 
to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Walk in such a way that your conscience is always clear before the Lord. The best way to defend yourself against someone who's attacking you or speaking against you is to not give them anything to talk about in the first place. You know, in the book of Daniel, when, when you know, uh, uh, Daniel's enemies were talking, were, um, uh, they wanted to find some fault with him because they, were, uh, they wanted to get rid of him. And they knew the only way they could find fault with him was to catch him doing something uh, it will uh, doing something that his faith required him to do that you know was ag- against their laws. In other words, it was only in matters of faith that they would be able to find something. So um, uh, that's what they did. And and Daniel, you know, he when he was uh, uh, not supposed to pray to any other god or image or whatever. Um, he, he went as was his usual pattern. He went, he opened the windows, and he prayed to God, and then they had him. But God saw him through it. But the, 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 the best way to defend yourself against someone who's attacking you or speaking against you is simply not to give them anything to talk about in the first place. You just keep doing what's right. That way, when people speak against you, they will be ashamed because it will be evident to all that what they said wasn't true. Everybody will know it. Christ is our example in this. He never sinned, and yet he was crucified for our sin. He suffered death and was vindicated in a way nobody expected in that he was brought back to life. And that shows us that when we suffer the right way, there is life after suffering. And our suffering will not be in vain because what the enemy used to destroy will end up being the very thing that will bring much glory to God. When you end up suffering because you did what's right, you did the right thing, first, keep doing the right thing. Don't stop. Keep doing the right thing. Don't let the suffering stop you. Then use it as as an opportunity a springboard or an opportunity to glorify God through your worship, through your witness, and through your walk. And that's how to glorify God when suffering for doing the right thing. Let me give you the benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God bless you. Let's worship some more.